Well, hey, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see all of you out here who made it. And uh, I always want to say hello to everybody who's watching online. I know that you're out there and you're doing that with us. You could be doing a lot of other things. Thanks for just allowing us to be a part of your journey. Whether you're in here or out there, we're very grateful to be a part of that wherever you may be with God. And uh, man, I hope worship was great. It always is here. And uh, along with that, I do wanna just make sure that you put on that calendar our night of worship. If you do like your worship uh, here, uh, we have an extended time of worship just once a semester. So that's next Sunday at 6.30. Man, mark that on your calendar. Don't miss that event. It's an awesome time. And, and I'm gonna, uh, it gives me a little bit of time to share a little bit uh, on, on my heart of what I believe God has for the church, and I'm going to talk a little bit about having a faith that follows, and so we're going to talk about that next Sunday night, 6.30, and that's for everybody. I believe God has a word for your kids all the way up to adults, so don't miss that. Next Sunday night, 6.30, make sure you come out uh, to that, and uh, for us in here today, though, we are in week number three uh, of a series that we're called I Don't Get It, and uh, if you missed the last couple weeks, here's what we're doing. We're just, we're talking about some of the things in Christianity that we don't get, and so for us, instead of saying, I don't know, uh, we're actually kind of going into it. We're walking into this uh, so that we can have some answers that we believe will strengthen of our faith as we go towards these questions and allow God to fill in some of those blanks for us. And today we're going to continue by looking at the relationship between God and science. That's where we're going to go today. Take a sip of coffee today, everybody. All right. How do science and God work together or do they not? Do they totally contradict each other? Here's another way that I put it is this. Has the advancement of science somehow made belief in God obsolete? So for those of us here, which I would say a lot, or most of us, who profess a saving faith in Jesus Christ and believe that God is the supreme creator of all, here's my question. Is that an act of us checking our brains at the door? Because that's what I think some want us to believe. That's what some want us to believe, that we're burying our heads in the sand uh, with the things they found or theories that they have. And so let's get to it, man. Let's talk about this and get into it. Now, this is gonna be a little bit of a different message. Uh, so it's gonna be a lot of things that I found in my research and, and scientists and believers that are uh, apologists that are a little bit smarter in this area than me. I'm definitely bringing in scripture, but I'm gonna be highlighting some things that I found in books. And if you are interested in this, uh, I put some, the books up there for you. To, these are the books that I've I, I looked into a lot more books in this, but I'm telling you, if you want to get more information on this, and you could go back to the message and watch this, you don't have to write all this down yet. But these are the three books that I found very useful and helpful. I'm gonna give you a warning. There are words in there that will never have the benefit of leaving this mouth of mine. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just really heady, heady stuff. Uh, but I would say of all of them, this first one, Choosing Your Faith by Mark Middleberg is, was very helpful for me, kind of in my own language. These other two, Language of God by Francis Collins and Origins are from more of a scientific viewpoint. But man, that's some good stuff that you might wanna get, just answers more of those kinds of things that we'll get into. Uh, and so that's what, I just wanna give you that as a reference. You can look back there and find that. Now, Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Let's get into the Word of God. Go to Psalm chapter eight. That's where I wanna start in the Word of God first. And, and as you're getting there to Psalm eight, here's how I wanna handle this today. This is kind of where I'm going because you can go in a lot of directions. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be talking to Christians today. That, that's where I'm going. And, and here's my goal with that. My goal uh, is that I am not gonna try to persuade people to come to the other side. Like that's not what I'm gonna try to do. But here's what I wanna do. My desire uh, is I wanna talk to believers in Christ and present some of this stuff for us so that we could just have more confidence in our faith in Jesus. That's, that's what I wanna do, okay? That's my goal because gang, listen, we should have a strong confidence that there is a creator. 
That's what I want to do today. We should have a strong uh, confidence in the evidence of God. And by the grace of God, I think he could do that other stuff. I believe that he could use me however he wants to, to persuade others. That's, what, that's up to him. And I'm praying that he does do that uh, by his grace and mercy and, and just how great he is. And speaking of grace, uh, I pray you give me some of that grace today. I got 30 minutes to talk about stuff that people take a lifetime to write about. So I want a little bit of grace in there as well. But I am confident that I think God's going to do some things there today, okay? So here's where we're going. We're starting Psalm 8. If you got there, here's, here's where we go. This is what David said. He goes, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? When I was 22 years old, uh, three friends of mine and I, we went to Australia and we took the greatest adventure of my life. What we did was we hiked what is called the Overland Trek in Tasmania, Australia, and it was the most amazing trip that I ever took. We hiked uh, eight days, and, and in that hike, here's what we covered, man. We summited two mountains, and in the same hike, we went through this amazing rainforest called the Labyrinth, like it was the most amazing thing. Uh, we slept in the snow. We also slept in the beach in a hot sweat. It's amazing how we did that. Uh, we, we went through these uh, uh, waterfalls. I saw the biggest spider in my entire lifetime. I will never see a spider bigger than that. I woke up one night with scorpions in my tent, and there was one morning where I woke up, and there was a wallaby, which was a miniature kangaroo in our campsite. Just kind of hanging out. I swear I stared at that thing for 30 minutes. It might not have been that long, but it was amazing. I was like, this is crazy. And if I were to use a word to describe that entire experience, I think majestic would, would fit. Majestic would really be a good word. And here's why I'm starting with Psalm 8, why I'm starting with this thing that I did. That was over 20 years ago for me. More than 20 years, we'll just say 20. Over 20 years, and yet it still resonates with me when I think about it. I can still remember those sights and sounds. It was amazing because it was one of those times where I'm telling you, gang, I just felt this awareness of the majesty in the heavens and the work of God and the moon and the stars and who am I? Who am I? And here's the thing. Science can have some ways to, to explain some of those experiences for me. It really can. Like, it can have some ways. It can have a way to tell me why that spider is so big in that region of the world. It could kind of tell me about that. It could use, you know, the variable climates and pressures to, to describe to me why uh, the landscape was the way that it was, okay? But it can't tell me everything. It is limited in its ability. Science is limited in its ability because it can't tell me why it resonates with me so much. It can't tell me, it can't explain to me the majesty that I feel when I still think about that to this day. But I think the Bible does. I think the Bible can tell me why. The Bible can give me an explanation. So here's where I wanna start today, gang, wherever you land with this. I wanna start by saying, I don't think God and science are at odds at all. In fact, I think God gave us science to complement his creation. I think that's why we have it. That's why it exists. But here are two things that you can be absolutely sure of in this world. There will always be people who will try and use science to be at odds with God. That's just true. And here's the other. And there are always gonna be Christians who are at odds with science. That's just gonna be true. But here's the thing. Regardless of that, regardless of those two things that are true, it does not mean that God and science can't work. They can 
and they do work together. And so let's look at this, okay? We're gonna look into this today. Uh, we're gonna look at two major areas, and if we have time, talk about a few other things. Uh, we're gonna look at the, the origin of us, and we're gonna talk about like the origin of the earth. That's kind of where we're gonna go today. Uh, and so let's start with us and uh, evolution and creation. Here we go. Evolution, big topic, right? Big topic. Evolution, creation. A boy, a boy went up to his dad one day and said, hey, dad, where did humans come from? And the dad said, well, we, we descended from apes. So the boy then went to his mom and said, hey, mom, where did, where did humans come from? And she said, well, we were created by God in his image. And the boy said, yeah, but dad said that we were descended from apes. And she goes, no, I was just talking about my side of the family. <laughs> there we go. Let's get some humor to start. Just get some humor to start. All right, so here we go. Two basic ideas. Here are the two basic ideas of our origins. On the creation side, here's where we land as Christians, where we land as believers in Christ. I would go to Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, God created. That, that's where we land. That's where we go. That's where we land. Here's how I would put it in my own words. This is what we would believe as followers of Christ is that there was a supernatural event by an intelligent creator, God, who made the earth and us for a purpose. Like that's one side of this. That's where we would land, okay? Now let's look on another side of this, uh, which is, you know, Charles Darwin began this, uh, what would become the theory of evolution. And here's his theory. I actually looked this one up. Here's what he would say, or they would say that the origins of every new species came from growing out of other species that were more primitive, eventually tracing back to one original ancestor. All right, so, so there's the two sides. Now, what we need to understand uh, when we get into this is that, that Darwin never provided an explanation uh, for how the original ancestor came to life. He never, he just assumed that it was there. He never gave an explanation for that, that its existence was implied, okay? And so what happened after Darwin uh, is over the next several centuries, people took that and started working through some theories and thoughts on, okay, how do we get there? And that's where folks eventually landed on this theory called the Big Bang Theory, which we know the Big Bang Theory. And so in this theory, it was like one cataclysmic event uh, that happened. But, but here's the theory within this, that life, this is what they would say, that life uh, started when that event occurred, that when it happened, that uh, started the evolutionary process that a single cell was formed by mere chance. And then over time, billions of years, uh, we eventually came to be, all right? That's now, so those are the two sides. I just wanna make sure that's where we're starting. Those are the two sides. Now, what I wanna do over the next several minutes is I wanna kinda look at the building blocks by which um, evolutionary atheists would come from to explain some of the things that they need to explain, but they haven't, uh, they don't have evidence or they're not accounting for it yet, but these are how they have to give explanations for these three major building blocks. But they would just say they haven't had evidence, they don't have evidence for it yet. And they would just, they, that's where they would say, they would say, yet uh, we believe that we will eventually get there. And, and here's why I'm doing this on the evolutionary end, because how we get there is really simple. Like how we get there is really, we, we turn to biblical understanding uh, to explain the unexplainable. That, that's what we get to do. Uh, and this is so important. This is why this is so important, gang. Take a sip of coffee here, all right? Uh, okay, here's why this is important. Because if you are not allowed to count, account for God, which they don't, they would say there's no, nothing behind it. If you're not allowed to account for God, then you're not allowed to explain things the way we explain them. You, you can't have it both ways. That, that's where, and they would agree with me on that, okay? We believe in the supernatural transcendent God who created uh, things from the very first day. Like we believe that that's who did it. And some would say, well, that's just convenient. 
And here's what I would say. Because it's convenient doesn't mean it ain't true. That's where I, I mean, it is convenient, but it doesn't mean that it's not true. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at three building blocks uh, that, that are needed to create the universe from, from a purely evolutionary standpoint with no God, no evidence of God. This is what they would say. And this is, this is like standard, so this is widely accepted. You could find this wherever you look. This is uh, the, where they would have to go and, and things that they would talk about. So here's the first building block, if you wanna write this down. The first building block they have to explain is the origin of matter. The origin, matter matters, right? You have to have matter. So let's quickly look at the ingredients that you need in order for life to get going with no God. Here's what you need. This is a leap that you have to kind of take with evolution. That the necessary ingredients, to be, they have to be present and accounted for. That's the leap, that they had to be present and accounted for. And it all happened by mere chance and on its own. And so what they would say is in the beginning, all this stuff was already here, all right? And, and randomly, over time, these ingredients bumped into each other. They're already sort of accounted for somehow. They bumped in, around enough and in the right timing and had the right way, and they got it right with no reasoning behind it. They got it right, exactly right, with no purpose, no reasoning, and they joined up to cause evolution to actually happen and suddenly begin and start to exist, okay? So most people, not all, but I would say most, as I, as I researched it myself, would fall into the idea, they say this came to be through the Big Bang, which we already kind of talked about. But here's what they would say. Now, just think about this. This cataclysmic, amazing like event, it happened outside or in the absence of any influence or reason. No influence, no reason. How do they know that? They don't. They don't. That it's a theory, but they, they've ruled out God, so they have to say there's no influence on it. It just kind of happened uh, because God is supernatural, not natural. They can't use that to explain it. Uh, now, I'm gonna bring in a lot of smart people, scientists, and people that, that have researched this. This is one guy by the name of Alan Sandage. He's an astronomer, and here's what he said. He goes, okay, listen, the Big Bang was a supernatural event that cannot be explained within the realm of physics as we know it. Science has taken us to the first event, but it can't take us back to the first cause. That's really important to see. The sudden emergence of matter, space, time, and energy pointed to the need for some kind of transcendence. So that's, that's what he would say. So in this first area, in order for this to happen with no God, no outside influence, it requires the presence of matter and the universe to exist already, which modern science has not proven. It is a theory and it holds with it in that theory just so we remember that, that there's no cause to it. There, it's just random and that we are no different, us, we are no different in our purpose or why we're here than a plant. Like we are just as purposeful as a plant, okay? That's what you gotta kind of land on. So here, that's the first one, the origin of matter. Here's the second one. It's the origin of the first life. The origin of the first life. All right, so in this in this building block, uh, what Darwinian evolutionists need to get started is the very first life, right? The very first life on the planet that everything else moved from and then eventually caused varying species to actually come. And, and there are a few different ways that they explain this. There are a few different things that they would say. There's a lot more than I'm gonna give you, but just for, so one they just said is sheer chance. Now, that one, by the way, was brought up a long time ago, and that's almost thrown out nowadays, but they was, that's one way that they explain just sheer chance. Another one is called crystal theory. You can look that up. It's crystal theory. Uh, but they believe that like, life started from like, crystals that were on the backs of these you know, organisms and things like that. And then there's another one called panspermia. Panspermia, and this is, why, this is held by people still today, where life was planted here by beings from another planet, okay, that 
Something brought them, because you know, they just think that that's what happened, that, that another uh, planet brought them here. Now, there are more than that, but, but my point isn't to explain all these. Here's my point. Like, it's pretty hard to pin down the first life. It really is. It, it's very challenging to pin this down. So in his book, there's a guy named Klaus Dose, and he is a evolutionary biochemist. I don't know what that is, but here's what he said. He said, listen, more than 30 years of experimentation on the origin of life in the fields of chemical and molecular evolution have led to a better perception of the immensity of the problem of the origin of life on earth rather than to a solution. So he's saying at present, all discussions on principal theories and experiments in the field either end in stalemate or in a confession of ignorance, all right? I'm just giving you what some of these folks are saying so we can just have a perspective on this. So what folks in this camp are basically saying, here's what they're saying. We haven't proven how yet, but again, however it did arrive, it is apart from any supernatural thing or intelligent, purposeful intention. That they're, they're saying, we're, we're banking on that. Like however it did, outside of any uh, int- intelligent design. Okay, now, now here's where I'm gonna go. I and probably most of us in here and most of us watching would land on the other side, right? We're probably on the creation side. Um, and so here's what I wanna try and do. I wanna try my best to present this as well as I can and give answers that honestly I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna try to help that other side to, to, to help them and give reasons why they would still have confidence in this area uh, in the, these theories without you know, having an explanation for the origin of the first life because they would not have an explanation for that yet. It's still a theory. And here's what I would say that they would say. They are probably saying, give it time, right? Give it time. We'll find the missing link. We'll find more scientific advances. We'll get smarter. We'll get more evolved and we'll get more discoveries. And that will give us the eventual answer. I think that's where they would say, that's why we still have confidence in these things, which takes us to the third building block, and this one just is, still mesmerizes me and I'm still trying to figure it all out, but this is the third building block that you have to kind of account for and it's the origin of information. It's the origin of information. Now, this one is the most fascinating to me because this is why Christians should never be afraid of new scientific discoveries. This is why we should never be afraid of any scientific discoveries or advancements, okay? So here's the big idea. When you start to look at us and you start to look at how information is carried and how it's held and how it's distributed, you will arrive as what we now know is DNA, all right, DNA. So again, what we're doing is we're looking at this from a standpoint that, that, that we were not created by an intelligent design. This, this is a building block. Where it, so the building block in here that, that they need, the evolutionists need for this to roll is that DNA, DNA had to, by chance, be sequenced on its own randomly, all right? That's what they're, that's what we're saying, without any intelligence guidance, okay? And, and here's the one second look at DNA. It's super complex, super complex. Uh, in 1990, there was a team of scientists that were appointed to just map out the DNA sequencing of human beings, the human species. Uh, and there's a guy by the name of Francis Collins who led the team, and it was called the Human Genome Project, okay? And when they mapped out the information carried through a human being, here's what they found, all right? Here's what they found. The information in our DNA revealed text that was three billion letters long, and written in a four-letter code. Here's what 
Francis Collins says about it. He says, now listen, such is the amazing complexity of the information carried within each cell, which is one cell of the human body, that a live reading of that code at a rate of three letters per second would take 31 years to read in one cell of the human body, okay? This is what they discovered. This is what they discovered. And it was a big deal, by the way. It was a really big deal when they, when they got to this discovery. And, and you might be sitting there, and I would be too if I wasn't doing all this research and studying and being like, I, what, I don't get that. Like, what are you talking about? And we don't really, you know, I don't know what you're think, talking about. I don't get what this means. But, but here's the kicker. This is what's gonna bring you back with all this DNA stuff. Here, here's the kicker. Francis Collins, who led that team, was not a believer in God when he started this. And when he found this discovery, he said, I believe in God. So there you go. Like that is the strongest testimony that I could give you. That guy who led the team said, I, there's no God. And he goes, eh, my bad. Like there's a God. So whether or not we understand the full complexities of DNA, I'm just telling you, that's the guy who led the team to do this. And there's another guy. There was another guy by the name of Anthony Flew. He, is, he was one of the preeminent atheists in the 20th century. He wrote books on atheism and it was like the Bible for atheists. And he eventually came to be and said, my bad. My bad, I believe in God as well. And he said the reason why he started believing was one thing, DNA. Here's what he said. He said, I now believe there is a God almost entirely because of the DNA investigations. What I think the DNA material has done is that it has shown by the almost unbelievable complexity of the arrangements which are needed to produce life that intelligence must have been involved in getting these extraordinarily diverse elements to work together. So there you go. Um, so just as we lay this out again, my goal is that this gives us confidence in the existence of a creator. Like that's what I wanna do on our side. And so here's the thing, man, like here's the thing. This is, and again, I wanna be fair as, as best I can to the other side. I definitely have friends that are atheists. I absolutely do. And I wanna be fair to them. I don't, I wanna respect them and listen. And, uh, and I hope that they do the same for me. But when we step back, here's the thing. How, how did the universe and matter get here, right? How did, how did the first life come to be? And looking at DNA information, here's the reality. There are some people who would look at this and still say, I believe it all happened by chance. No God, no reason behind it. All right, there are people that exist. And so I looked into this to try to see if I could find a representation of that globally. And as I looked and researched, I found that there are actually hundreds of millions of people that believe there. They believe that there's no God knows that. Now that sounds like a big number. Uh, conservatively, it's like 250 million all the way up to maybe 400 million people would say that they would uh, self-profess themselves as atheists. That seems like a lot of people. Gang, listen to what that represents globally. That represents about 6% of our population, 6%, 6%. And so then the other 80 plus, there's another 80 plus percent of our globe that would say, nah, there's no way that it's just random. Like there's gotta be something behind it. It didn't happen by chance. And there's billions, listen to me, gang, billions with a B of people who would say, yeah, that's God. That's totally God. And I, I just, I want you to take that in as a perspective. I think sometimes we hear things, we read things, we're like, oh, I don't know. We, we are still the majority of people who believe that there is a God who created, there's an intelligent design. And here's the deal. This is what I wanna say again, just to be fair. Both take faith. 
Both take faith. It takes faith to believe that the chances of this are just random and just happening with no reason or purpose. And it takes faith to believe that there is a creator. And here's where I will tell you why I land. For me, I just believe, I look at this and I look at the evidence and I think about this. I just think that the Bible and creation and God has a lot more going for it for me. I, that's just where I land. I think there's a lot more purpose there. There's a lot more things that I just, the majesty, the feel, the, all those things. Like I just, it can account for more for what I see and experience in my own life. That's just where I've landed. Uh, it can bring in the supernatural. It can uh, account for those things. And I, I believe it lands on the more logical answer for this life. That's just where I land. And I also know, here's what I also know, that I don't know everything. Right, I, the, man, there are a lot of things even within God that are unclassified. That's why we're doing this series. I don't get it. There are things we don't get and there are mysteries that are still there with God and, and we don't see all the way clearly. But here's the thing, gang, that's okay. You know why? The Bible tells us that that's where we're gonna be. Look at what Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians 13 about it. He says this, he goes, listen, don't, don't be fooled by that. Don't, like, don't be like scared about this. He goes, because now our knowledge is partial. It's incomplete, don't think you're gonna figure everything out. And even the gift of prophecy, like when you can see things that God sees uh, in our ability down here, it reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, when Jesus comes back, these partial things will become useless. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. Again, I'm just telling you, I think the Bible explains things to me that make it logical to me and just make it more reasonable to have on this life. And so that's where I would land and that's where we would go. Now, let's kind of change gears here and talk about another thing. Here's the thing that I hear a lot from people is dinosaurs, right? I don't, you know, I don't know. How do dinosaurs fit with a creation account? How, do that, how does that work? Uh, which goes to another question, which is like, do I have to believe in a literal six day creation in order to be a Christian? So let's look into this really quick. There are people who say, I don't think a lot. There are people, that, I don't know if I've ever run into them personally, but I think I've heard that there are people who say, I can't believe in the Bible because it can't account for the dinosaurs. So I can't believe in that. It doesn't mention the dinosaurs at all. And now here's what I would say with that. Uh, we, even though we know that dinosaurs existed and stuff like that, but here's the deal, just a couple things. One thing, uh, uh, is I just wanna point you to this place. I'm not gonna go there, but if you wanna just write this down, Job 40 and 41, just write that down, Job 40 and 41, and I'll invite you to read the descriptions of behemoth and Leviathan. They are crazy animals. I'm telling you that right now, ain't no hippo or elephant. I'm just, I'm gonna go ahead and throw that out there. And now listen, man, he describes these animals in there and I'm not sure, I wasn't there, but he said one of the animals has a tail like a cedar tree. That's not an elephant, and how these things are described, I don't believe those animals exist today. That's, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying I know for sure that God's talking about dinosaurs. I'm just, you, I just invite you to read that, read those descriptions. But, but here's what I wanna say. Even if those descriptions are not for sure a dinosaur, maybe it's a metaphor or something like that. And we can't know for sure, by the way. We, we really can't know for sure. But if you think about it, here's the truth. The truth is the Bible doesn't mention most of the species that God created. It doesn't, like it doesn't mention most of the species that existed and exist today. Because here's what we need to remember about the Bible, everybody. The Bible is, never will be, and never was intended to be a scientific journal. The Bible is not a science manual. The Bible tells us who God is, why we're here, what our purpose is, uh, and his plan for us in the whole universe. And, and that, listen, listen, that we are his masterpiece, that we were made in his image, that he loves us, he made us uniquely. He made us separate from all other creation. And so dinosaurs, butterflies, frogs, deer, they're great, taste good, some of them taste real good, but they're not his best work. 
that we are his best work. So it doesn't mean the Bible cannot account for dinosaurs, but what it does mean is it just wasn't as important to, to the people of the day that God needed to speak to and tell them about him and them, okay? Now, that, that's the dinosaur part. Now, do we have to believe in a literal six days of creation to be a Christian? So here's my quick answer. Left you hanging there with a drink of water. No, you don't. You don't have to do that. That's a quick answer. So let's take a few minutes to lay this out. Good, I got a, I got a few minutes. So here, let's go to the book of Genesis. Let's go to Genesis 1, read the first five verses, and then we'll kind of talk about some ideas that Christians have, okay? So here it goes. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God, ah, and the spirit of God was hovering over the empty darkness over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And there was evening and morning, the first day first day okay so that was the first day that he created the heavens earth light darkness now over the next 20 verses he explains the next several days of creation i gave you a list we're not gonna go into it but here it is so day two was the sky three land seas plants day four was the sun moon stars day five birds of the air fish of the sea day six animals on the land of man day seven god rested okay that's just what the bible gives us an account of all right now I'm gonna tell you a little bit about my life real quick. I don't know, hopefully this will help. This is my journey on this. I never wrestled with this. I, in my faith story and how I came to know Jesus as my savior, I never, came, I never wrestled with, with what God did and how God did it for a long time in my Christian life, okay? I, it was just something I didn't consider to be that big of a thing for my faith. Uh, and so I, I just, I didn't need to contemplate the age of the earth in order for my belief in God to be real, if that makes sense. Here's, here's where I come from, though. Like from about 1991 until March 4th, 1995, I would say that I did not believe in God. That was like my tween years when I started having individual thought. I did not believe there was a God. I didn't think he was real. And if he was, I didn't want to be a part of him. That's where I was until March 5th, 1995, uh, when Jesus became real clear to me and he saved me. And I didn't even want to be saved. Like I didn't want him and he came to be real in my life. I was 17 years old and uh, the gospel was just really clear. It was a once blind, now I see kind of thing. Uh, and I realized this isn't the same journey for a lot of you. Now, fast forward some time in my faith journey as I started growing, uh, you know, and as I navigated my way through faith. Oh, but back up. So for me, like what I'm saying in the beginning, like six days, uh, 6,000 years, a billion years, I, it didn't bother me because I was just like, Everything hinged on Jesus for me. Everything was like Jesus and the resurrection. None of that other stuff mattered to me. I could look at it and be like, oh, he just did it. It was God. It just never really was a big thing for me. Uh, it was all about Jesus and the resurrection. Now, as I navigated my way through faith, uh, I started having conversations with people and, and I came across a discussion of this. And I just, the fact that there are, here it is, different views that Christians have about creation. Uh, and, and so I just wanna share that with you because I think this can allow us uh, to not, this not to be a barrier for the gospel, but actually an open place for us to talk about this, which by the way, that's what this should be. Like you remember Chad talking about the buckets? This is not bucket one or two, man. This is way down the line of the buckets of importance as far as salvation. But I'm just gonna give you the varying views that Christians have of how this all came to be, okay? There are three big views that Christians have on this, three big ones, and they're like subsets and variations. It can get kooky, man. I'm telling you, there's like, it's a, it's a get one of those books. I'm telling you, it goes all the way. But they basically fit in these three views. Now, 
Before we get into these three views, I, I just wanna be real clear. I think that as a Christian, I think it's important that you hold on to some textual understandings before we get into this, okay? Some textual understandings. One, we need to hold on to the fact that God created Adam and Eve directly, all right? That he made them from the dust of the ground and that he made them uniquely and in his image apart from all other creation. And, and why we have to hold on to that is because that's what the Bible says. And Adam is mentioned in way other, way tons of more places than Genesis, okay? He's mentioned, he's referenced, Jesus even talks about him. And because of that, it's important that we see Adam and Eve as historical figures and not metaphors, okay? That's just where we have to kind of land with that. Uh, And here's the other one. And regardless of the age of the earth, regardless of the age of the earth, which we could debate, we need to see that we began, as humans, we began as direct creations of God between 6,000 and 15,000 years ago, all right? 6,000 and 15 years ago. And here's why I'm saying that. Because there's genealogies and ages of people that are listed in the Bible, and you have to kind of look at that. There's some room within that, within those thousands of years, but we have to follow what the Bible says because if you don't, then you have to throw out a lot of what the Bible says as far as the genealogies that are absolutely there in text. So I just think you need to land there uh, in the literal things that we see in the Bible. Okay, so with that, here's the broad view of some of the creation things that people believe in, the Christians believe. Here they are. I think I have all three in one thing. So there's young earth creation. Here's the first one, young earth creation. So in this view, really quick, God uh, created the universe, including Adam and Eve, in six literal days. That's the straightforward, they believe it's six literal 24-hour days. Uh, They use genealogies and they use all this stuff to date the planet and man on the planet approximately 6,000 years ago. uh, And everything in the universe was created uh, less than 10,000 years ago. That's that first view. Like that's just, they look at Genesis, say, there it is. Everything fits in there. That's the first one. The second one is progressive creation, where believers would say this, I'm gonna read this. It says that God created the universe and our earth and existed for an unknown amount of time. Could have been a moment, could have been billions of years. Uh, That the verse two kind of where the earth was formless and void, there could have been time in there, maybe billions of years. Uh, And then in verse three, God began creation and God began creating what was on earth. Now, this view opens up the possibility that the earth could be way older than us, even when we still hold on to the fact that we've only been here between six and 15,000 years, but the earth could have been really old. It also holds the view that dinosaurs could have existed in all of that time. There's just a lot of open views on that as far as how old the earth is. And where believers would land on this is in the Psalms, Psalm 94, where they say like a day is like a thousand years uh, to God, that that a thousand years is like a day to God. And uh, that's how days could have been. So this allows for a lot of those things to happen. And that's the second view. And I'm not doing these to poke holes in them or anything like that. I'm just showing you. I'll get to my point here in a second. Here's a third one. You don't really need to. The third one is theistic uh, evolution. Now I know we're like, oh, evolution. I know, I know. But it's like, this is like a view that some hold. Here's what they believe. They still believe that God created everything. Uh, but here's where they land, that he inserted life into the world and guided intelligently the evolution of the species over time. But then God uniquely and distinctly put a soul in man at a certain point. Does that make sense? So he's saying, they're saying that, that could have happened. Okay, now this is a broad view, broad view, two, three minute view, because I got one minute left. Okay, so you know what I'm saying? Like it's a broad view. Uh, and each one of these has variations within them. And here's the thing, like why I'm not giving you my view on this, why I'm not trying to poke holes through it or anything like that. I, 
I want to show you that there are varying views that Jesus-believing, Bible-thumping Christians have, okay? And, and that's important for us. It's important for us to understand that because, and if we were sitting in a coffee shop, this is, I love talking about this stuff. Like, we could talk about, did Adam have a belly button? I don't know, you know, like, did, think about it. Did, did trees in the Garden of Eden have growth rings? Whoa. Yeah. I don't know. Like, why? That's really, and I, I find that interesting. I didn't a long time ago, but I'm like, I, I think that expands my mind. I think that that is important and helpful, but it's not essential to my salvation, gang. Do you hear me? That's the point. It's not essential to my salvation. If you don't think Adam had a belly button, I don't care. I, it doesn't bother me. It's weird, but I, it doesn't bother me. That's the point. That's the point, gang. We could take it to a place where it doesn't belong. And so here's how I'm gonna end. Three things, three things. And then we can go watch the big game. Okay, one. I hope this was helpful. One, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And, and also don't be ignorant of the truth that we know. Have confidence in your belief that there was a creator who made everything. Don't be afraid of that. Don't let someone's quote on Twitter. Don't let some article you read automatically rock the truth that you know. Science, listen to me. Science will never, ever be able to refute God. It will only give us more confidence in his creation. I believe that, amen? It will only give us more confidence in his creation. So let that inspire you to be confident in truth too. This is huge. Don't let these debate things get, be a barrier to someone coming to a knowing, saving faith in Jesus Christ. Get past it, man. Like we could talk about that later. Like for somebody to not, the, the Adam stuff and all this and stuff, be like, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. Get to Jesus. Let's get to Jesus, man. You don't need to believe in literal six day creation to get to Jesus, so don't let that happen. And here's three. I wanna be soft in how I say this. Um, I think we need to just get better at disagreeing with some stuff. It's killing us, man. I'm telling you. Like within Christianity, we gotta get better with grace. We gotta get better with debate. We gotta be like more accepting of some other views that, listen to me, are not essential for salvation. I'm telling you right now, gang, I have seen friendships get messed up. I've seen people leave churches. People have left this church because of weird disagreements that have nothing to do with salvation and Jesus. And families get split over, honestly, disagreements at the end of the day, we're all gonna end up in heaven there together. So what are we holding on to? Like, what are we doing? We just gotta get a little bit better at that. Let grace come in with some of the thoughts we have about the things that are not necessary for salvation. Can we agree on that? Let's try harder. I want to as well, because I think I, I'll get stuck in there if I, don't, you know, if I don't think about that. Let's pray. God, this is a huge subject, but man, I have more confidence. Oh man, I'm so thankful for my study, my research into this and, and what you gave me in your word and uh, just having me remember the majesty of your creation and the memories that I have that, that there is something beyond us. There's something beyond this existence, man, that you are the creator. You are the master. We are your masterpiece. There are things we feel, there are experiences we have that science cannot explain. And, and God, allow, let that allow us to have confidence in who you are, what you've done, so that we can just uh, be bold, to be bold, to take a stand in the faith that we have in Jesus, but also have grace, be filled with grace as we do that. We love you. We're so thankful for the evidence that you give us to have confidence in who you are. We love you. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
Hey, listen, have a great Sunday. Have an awesome time watching the Super Bowl. We'll see you back here next week with the next thing that we don't get. See you next Sunday.